Hi, this is Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains, where real scientists answer your beauty question for Tuesday, April 15th, 2014. Welcome to the Beauty Brains. I am your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me, as always, uh, Randy Schuler. Hello, Randy. Buy our book. <laughs> well, yeah, you just don't beat around the bush there, right? <laughs> well, well, you know, we, uh, hello, everybody. You know, we'd like people to buy our latest book, which is It's Okay to Have Lead in Your Lipstick. Uh, and and if you'd stop drinking to... tea and read the tagline. <laughs> and answers to other beauty questions you're dying to know. Right. So we, you know, we usually bury that message about buying the book at the end of the podcast. So I just want to get it out of the way right here, you know, right at the beginning. Just buy the freaking book. Back to you, Perry. And if people get that book, what are they going to get from that book? I mean, of course, they'll learn about lead and lipstick. They're going to get 300 scintillating pages of answers to beauty questions. And uh, entertaining, 300 entertaining pages, too. Highly entertaining. And if you order it off our website, you'll get our autograph. Oh, yeah, the, the autograph. It's not just educational, it's entertaining. It's just it's infotainment, really. <laughs> All right. Uh, boy, you know what I was doing this morning? No, oh, what's that? Well, I, I just recently launched this new uh, website, or this new online training program which teaches people how to create cosmetics called oh, practical yeah. cosmetic formulating yeah you, you can get the, there through my other website chemist yeah, corner the one you uh cheat on me behind my back with yeah <laughs> i know i'm very familiar with that <laughs> well, you, it just, it, it's just been around for a while but you know in creating that uh i've had the opportunity to look through old formulation books hmm. um and this this one I got from 1938 called <laughs> the Cosmetic Formulary. It's by um, Bennett. Mm-hmm. But but just one of, the, one of the things I found interesting about this is I'm I'm looking through some of these formulas and they have this thing called Bear Grease. It's a Bear <laughs> Grease cosmetic. I like Bear. But here are the ingredients to Bear like Grease. B A R E. Yeah, B A R E Grease. Um, I it's some sort of a cream. It doesn't say what you use it for i guess it's it's maybe it's a type of makeup remover because it's in the makeup remover section but so here's what's in bear grease and this is why it's from 1938 um beef marrow four grams of that veal suet 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 sure what what is veal suet uh it's like ground up meat parts i think oh, it's okay. like i think it's mostly fat uh, so we have beef marrow, veal suet, and uh, formaldehyde. <laughs> color That's and awesome. preserve, color and perfume as desired. Yeah. So that that's the beauty from 1938. I think technology has changed a bit since then, but but I do really love old formulation books. I uh, I think that should be a regular feature of the, of the showgram. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, and speaking of regular features, uh, you have a beauty science thing we're doing today, huh? You know what? Now, since you've given us that great little intro, I think it's time to play beauty science or bull. All right. All right. So, you know, this is the game where I give you three beauty science headlines. Two of them are true. One is made up. And you have to pick the fake story. Now, kids, 
You can play along at home if you just hit the pause button on your iPod or Zune or whatever you use uh, before I give the answer, and, and you can see if you're smarter than Perry. <laughs> actually, and they've actually done correlational testing to show that if, if people can beat you on this game, they are actually your intellectual superior. It's true. Wow. Because yeah. wow, right. I, I think the last time I checked my IQ was like 144. <laughs> <laughs> that's but uh, it was a, it was it was an internet IQ test, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how valid that well, is. that's you slip that in, you know, like people won't notice, but you know, your favorite number is forty four, and you just mention that at every opportunity. So wow, that yeah, that's weird how that, that happened. <laughs> anyway, all right, back to the game. So here right. here are your three headlines. Number one, the first commercial product delivered to the moon could be a Japanese sunscreen. Number two. Earwax analysis is as effective as a blood test for detecting toxins in the body. And number three, selfies, you know, the practice of posting your own picture to social media, is leading to an increase in head lice. Huh. So there's your three headlines. You tell me which one of those is made up. Wow, those, those are all pretty good. Um, well, the Japanese sunscreen on the moon... That sounds reasonable to me. Um, although, now that I think about it, why would you have to have a sunscreen um, when you have your spacesuit on, right? <laughs> I, I would just think it's uh, already in there. Um, so, that I'm a little questionable about that one. Uh, the next one is um, the earwax one, uh, being as effective as a blood uh, analysis. And uh, I can wholly believe this one, so... Uh, I, that one sounds pretty reasonable. Okay. Uh, so that brings us to the third one, which is the selfies increasing head lice. Now, how is a selfie going to increase head lice? I just can't <laughs> imagine how that would happen. Um, but I know, um, so if you're, uh, so you're doing selfies, you're, maybe it's just more head lice is being detected. Oh, what was the headline on that one again? I'll, I'll read the headline again. It says, um, let me find it here. Selfies, the practice of posting your own picture to social media, is leading to an increase in head lice. Huh. Well, I could see as an increase in, like, the detection of head lice. So that almost sounds plausible to me. Because, um, you know, you could, like, put a selfie and you could look. So I'm going to say... The Japanese sunscreen on the moon is the fake. Japanese sunscreen is fake. Okay, so then you're saying that um, uh, earwax analysis being an effective tool for detecting toxins in the body is true, and indeed that is true. Uh, it's not surprising because like many other bodily secretions, earwax can show traces of toxins like heavy metals and that sort of thing. Now, it's an odd place to look, and there, there isn't a simple test for that, but it is about as effective as a blood test in, in detecting those um contaminants so that one's true and um, it's, but it's definitely more it's definitely more effective than the foot pads you put on the bottom. <laughs> right. well that's removing toxins not detecting but there you go yeah. that's, sure, a, that's sure. a whole other show all right so you also think that uh selfies leading to more head lice is true and that one is true so according to cnn nurses uh, are reporting that selfie posts are causing an increase in teenagers spreading lice presumably because they're sharing each other's cell phones so i could imagine huh. you've got your cell phone up by your ear and 
some headlights hitchhike on that and then you hand it to your friend and they take the picture and then they make a call or something and the lights jump from the phone to their head so i mean it's it, it's reasonable oh so i got the reason wrong but i got it right <laughs> you got it right I, I and thought, that i thought t- people were yeah i just thought people were taking more selfies and then someone could look at it and say hey you got lice <laughs> Oh, seeing yeah. the pictures, so, I see. Yeah. No, no, it's actually an increase in, in the spread of head lice. So that means for the first time in the history of the game, you are correct uh, in that you picked the first commercial delivery to the moon could be a Japanese sunscreen product. That is false. In fact, the first product that's expected to be delivered to the moon is a Japanese sports drink. Uh, it's called Pakari Sweat, which that's a yummy name. Uh, and it's expected to arrive on the moon in 2015 aboard a lander built by the Astrobotic team, which is someone trying out for that, you know, that Google Lunar X prize. They offer some prize money for oh, sure, um, sure. private space yeah. travel work. So these people are trying to get a can. They're probably getting, you know, sponsored, you know, getting some money from the Pakari sweat people. But uh, but that's true. So very <laughs> right. good job this that's week. Pa- pa- oh, well, thank you. That's that's Pakari, like Jean-Luc Picard from... Uh... The uh, Star Trek series? No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, and just one other thing I like. When I, I like, I just, this is the first time in the history of my brain that these words have been put together, but I think <laughs> it makes a good, it makes like a good song, uh, song hook, like, Japanese sunscreen on the moon. I, I, sorry, sorry. Uh, it, that <laughs> would be great, there. except you promised me you wouldn't sing on the show anymore. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of singing, uh, we have a question today, don't we? We do have a question of the week. Uh, this one comes from Master Barber Williams. And I got to tell you, this is my is my favorite question so far. I, I guess it's my, my favorite questioner, right? So just listen to this guy's voice. My name is Master Barber Williams. I'm an avid reader of uh, Beauty Brains and uh, also listen to Beauty Brains show. Today... I have a question, and my question is, how do we know that anti-aging ingredients for hair really works? What is the science behind it, and what are those ingredients? That's question one. Question two would be whether or not those ingredients work differently on different structured hair. For instance... Does an, anti, does an anti-aging or age-defying ingredient like retinol, which works on the skin, does it work on the hair in the same way? And does it work for Afro-structured hair, for Caucasian-structured hair, and Asian-structured hair in the same ways? Anyway, looking to hear from you, and thank you so much for the great work you're doing. So I love his pipes, you know. I would. He's I would, got. He's got a great voice. <laughs> I would like to have Master Barber William on every show with us. In fact, I, I would consider replacing you if this guy would join what? us on the show. Uh, no offense, but I do. I do like the guy. Well, yeah, he might. Uh, but he anyway, might do so better. to an- he, <laughs> Go ahead. He might do better on the beauty science or BS. <laughs> hey, you're you're one for three now. Come on. Uh, that's that's you're, not bad. You're, but... you're on the boards. Uh, so I'm, all right. equal to, I'm equal to chance then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. So to answer Master Barbara Williams' question, we'll need to explain a little bit about the difference between hair and skin biology. So why don't you start off with that? It's a great question. Uh, but 
the first thing we have to know, and I, and I love these anti-aging hair products because um, the truth is they're just completely marketing-driven. Um, <laughs> I mean, the most important thing to know about hair, the stuff on your head, is that hair is dead. Uh, it doesn't breathe. Uh, it doesn't metabolize anything. It doesn't need nutrients or vitamins or anything else. Uh, it's dead. In fact, hair is about as alive as your shoelace, right? <laughs> really, you should think of hair as shoelaces. They're they're the same. Essentially, they're the same. Um, now, the part of now the part of hair that is alive is the root, and the root is what's inside your head, right? Inside the hair follicle. So down down below, it's it's alive, but the stuff coming out of your head, you know, that's sitting on top of your your head, uh, that is uh, just dead protein. Now, right. The hair so, uh, sorry, when you say sorry, when you talk about not needing nutrients, surely the hair needs nutrients to grow, right? When it's coming out of that living part from underneath the scalp. But once it once you can see it, once it's poked its way out of the skin at that point putting vitamins and nutrients and botanicals on the hair doesn't do anything to help it uh you know be healthier exactly so it's it's completely a marketing thing but let's talk about the hair itself now the stuff that is on your head the dead stuff consists of protein you know and the protein you know uh, it's keratin protein and it's got a, it's got organized into three structures now the outer structure is called the cuticle and these are like you know shingles on a roof there's about eight to ten layers of overlapping flat cells um, and what they do what the cuticle does is that it protects the hair essentially you know I mean it's almost like uh, having uh, armor on the hair right and just like sh just like shingles protect the roof um, the cuticle protects the hair now underneath the cuticle is what's called the cortex and these are you know fiber bundles that uh, give the hair its strength and the flexibility um, and this is called the cortex. Uh, this is also where you might find your natural hair pigments, you know, the melanin, and this is where when you get your hair artificially colored, this is where the artificial color goes into and is polymerized there. And then there's another part that's it's almost uh, you know, it's it's there. It's called the medulla. It's it's this hollow space, and it's not in every fiber, and it's not that important. We don't exactly know what it does, but uh, it's, in some cases, it might have used to hold a muscle where you control the hair, or it could help for insulation. But really, it's it's not terribly important in this. But mostly, it's the cuticle and the cortex that are, are important. Now, the way the hair grows uh, is that the 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 follicle. It's got like a little. You know, it's a hair follicle. It has the cells living at the bottom of that, and they produce this protein, this keratin protein, and they push it out of the hair follicle, which is just a hole in your skin. And as the protein is pushed out, it, it will take the shape of that hole. So, you know, if it's if it's more round, you get these straight uh, hairs, and if it's more flattened, you can get some curly hairs, um, and that leads actually to the ethnic differences of hair. Um, is mm -hmm. so it's the shape of that shape of that follicle, um, but it's a lot. It's a lot like you know if you you ever play with that Play-Doh factory. Oh, I love that so stuff. So it's a little. Yeah. It's a toy. I, it's, yeah, a toy I used to have when I was a kid. You you have it's just this 
it's almost like a clay kind of a thing, but you put it yeah. into the factory and you squeeze it through a shape and it'll come out as a star or a square or a circle or something like that. And that's exactly how uh, the hair works. Uh, so the key to understand uh, is that the hair itself that's on your head is dead and the living stuff is buried deep beneath the skin. So putting vitamins and proteins or whatever on your hair, uh, although it's been shown that, uh, you know, uh, pro-vitamin B5, that chemical can have some effect on the hair. Uh, it's not really anti-aging, it's more of a conditioning effect. And so those ingredients don't really do anything to reduce the age of your hair. Now we should talk about the skin structure. Yeah, so compared to hair, skin is alive, right? It has blood vessels and sweat glands and hair follicles, and it, it does need nutrients to grow and thrive. Um, but it also consists of three layers. So I'll give you the quick skin biology lesson. There's the epidermis, the dermis, and the hypodermis. The epidermis is the top part of your skin. It's really the top seven layers. And the uppermost of those layers is the stratum corneum. Now that's the layer of dead cells that we can see and touch. So when you think of your skin, you're actually seeing this stratum corneum. Now that's right, a relatively... And, but oh. You know, you said that... You know, you said the the skin is alive. It, it is, but this top layer is essentially dead, right? Correct. So, yeah, so. yeah the, right, consists of dead. So, so it's not essentially dead. The top layer is dead. Um, now, right, that right, dead right. layer is relatively thin, and below that there are six other layers all the way down to the basal layer, and that's where the new skin cells are created. That's still part of the epidermis. Um, and that's where the epidermal stem cells live. And we talked in a previous show about how stem cells can reproduce and form more stem cells, or they can produce cells that differentiate to take on different structures. So that's where the new skin cells come from. Uh, so as these new skin cells are um, born, they, they travel up through these uh, six layers till they get to the very top. And as they travel up, they sort of morph and change. They, they start to, to dry out, they flatten out, and they eventually die. And that's when they're at the very top layer at the stratum corneum. And then after that, they just flake off. Um, so that's what happens in the epidermis. Now below that layer is the dermis, and that's where the hair follicles are, along with uh, oil glands, some collagen and elastin fibers, and some very small blood vessels. Then below that is the hypodermis, and that contains the larger arteries and veins, um, a lot of fat and some other sub uh, and some other subcutaneous tissue. So those are the three layers of skin. Now, unlike hair, uh, manipulating the outer layer of skin can affect how it behaves. For example, if you occlude the top of your skin with an oil, you know the deeper layers will retain more moisture and they'll be healthier. Uh, also, if you scrape off the dead cells from the top of the skin, you can trigger the production of new cells from that basal layer. That's called increasing cell turnover. Um, you know, with, it doesn't work that way with hair, right? If you cut your hair, it doesn't make it grow faster. Or if you scrape off the outer layer of your hair, it doesn't make the inside of your hair do anything differently, again, because hair is dead. But skin, you right. actually can interact with differently. So to sum it up, skin alive, hair dead, but both consist of three layers. Right. And so when when you see a cosmetic that's an anti-aging cosmetic, you know, um, what really are those products doing? So given that hair and skin uh, uh, are structurally different, they, it's not surprising that they age differently. So so the way that hair ages, uh, you know, the for, in hair, it's really all about the follicles. So the follicles 
follicles will atrophy as they age, and and they either stop producing new hair, um, and so you know then you go then then you just don't have the hair and your hair thins and that's pretty common with age or maybe they produce less uh, protein and so that the fibers that come out they're finer and thinner hair um, another thing that can happen is that the melanocytes which are the pigment producing cells inside the follicle they'll stop producing color and when the hair when the hair comes out without any of this injected pigment uh, it's it's gray or actually it's clear but we call it gray hair uh, because that's what hair would look like without pigment um, and then there may also be some reduction in the natural oil you produce the sebum and so this could lead you to get the sense that your hair feels more coarse or dry although it's not been my personal experience that that is the case having done some work on uh, on, on gray hair gray hair tresses but people do have a sense that their hair feels more coarse and dry as they age uh, and so that's that's a possibility now for skin as skin ages it loses some of its ability to retain moisture and so it's it's essentially drier um, and so you know you want to use more uh, skin lotions as you get older uh, also in in the dermis we have the collagen and elastin production at, that slows down and the that slows down and the production of that leads to almost a collapse in the structure of the skin and that that in conjunction with gravity uh, leads to wrinkles yeah such great fun getting older isn't it? <laughs> of course I suppose it's better than the alternative um, and then there are, of course, age spots um, that also can develop, um, and that leads to uneven uh, pigment production, and so your skin can have these splotches, and sometimes those are also caused by uh, excessive UV damage. And, of course, uh, since skin is alive, it's susceptible to things, uh, to diseases like melanoma and basal cell carcinoma and skin cancer, and uh, so... In a very real sense, uh, you can try to uh, affect skin aging with anti-aging products. And so how do, how do we go about doing that? Right. So what do anti-aging products actually do? Well, it's, let's talk about skin. So in that case, anti-aging actives should you know, combat all those things you just mentioned, right? They should increase the production of new skin cells, increase uh, the, the amount and, and quality of the collagen and elastin in the dermis. They should, you know, protect you from damaging UV rays and lighten those those dark pigmented spots. And those are all pretty realistic expectations to some extent, right? I mean, ingredients like uh, alpha hydroxy acids and retinol and niacinamide and skin bleaching ingredients can, to some extent, address all those aging concerns. Now, right, if they can hair, get down the oh. down through the. Uh layers of the skin cell to the where the skin cells are actually growing. Right. And it's, you know, not everything works and not everything works equally as well, but those are, at least those are, you know, reasonable expectations for an anti-aging product. Now, it's different right. for hair because there a, a, a true anti-aging product should increase the growth of hair cells in the follicle to produce more hairs and thicker hair. Um, they should also increase the amount of pigmentation so hair doesn't turn gray. Now, these are not realistic expectations, at least for the most part. I mean, there are some drugs, you know, like minoxidil, that can increase hair growth to some small extent in some people. But for the most part, you just can't anti-age hair the same way you can anti-age skin. I mean, that's mostly due to the difference in biochemistry between the structures and the fact that uh, in hair, the structures that need to be affected, that way down in the, in the follicle, 
those are buried deep in the dermis. They're not um, as easily accessible as uh, some of the structures in skin are. So it's just more difficult, A, to get ingredients that really work, and B, to get the ingredients deep enough in the skin where they actually can work. Um, so you just don't see true anti-aging in hair care products. So, you know, let's talk about what these hair treatments are. So the key really to this whole discussion is anti-aging treatments for hair. It, it's purely cosmetic. So the way that hair marketing companies look at it is that you look at somebody who is young and look at the properties of their hair. Um, and how can you take someone who's older or a head of hair that is older and um, mimic the uh, qualities of somebody with younger hair. And so that means you're just going to affect the appearance uh, of the hair because, you know, as we said, the hair is dead. Uh, so these anti-aging products, uh, they try to improve things like the, the texture and they try to make it shinier and softer and smoother. They try to give some temporary thickness or strengthen the hair to some degree. And of course, you can uh, change color with a, with a hair dye, but, um, but only, all you can do is sort of mimic what younger hair looks like. Uh, so anti-aging products for hair, you know, they're just completely cosmetics. Uh, some other thoughts is that almost all of the hair treatments work on the surface and they're designed to smooth the cuticle layer. So this will increase the shine and the smoothness and manageability. Um, now some of the materials can penetrate into the cortex and help increase uh, or at least maintain the tensile strength of hair fiber, but mostly the products work on the outside. And the truth is pretty much any conditioner, whether it's called anti-aging or not, is going to have these same effects. So in hair products, anti-aging is completely a, uh, a marketing thing. Yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to look at a couple of examples that kind of highlights that, that there really aren't, they really aren't that much different. So um, I, I look, took a quick look at three anti-aging brands. One is uh, Alterna. They have their Caviar Anti-Aging Overnight Hair Rescue product. And they say that it fights the chronological, chemical, and environmental aging effects. Uh, and it says this powerful treatment repairs and replenishes damaged hair, restores and reinforces hair strength, and prevents future breakage. I mean, th those sorts of claims are on almost every single conditioner on the market. Um, look at Pantene. They have their, uh, yeah, it's very common. If you look at Pantene, they have their age-defy advanced thickening treatment that says it fights the seven signs of aging hair. Um, and they talk about their formula helps thicken existing hair strands and provides strength against breakage. So again, pretty basic claims. Then there's the Kronos brand that says it's an expertly crafted line. Uh, formulas that treat the main symptoms of aging hair helps to restore youthful and healthy texture, color, and volume. So again, you know, if these products didn't say anti-aging on the label, you, you almost would think it was just a regular conditioner. So again, to your point, Perry, this is um, all pretty much marketing spin. So the bottom line for Master Barbara Williams uh, is that hair is dead, so you, you really can't anti-age it, right? Now, skin is living and can be treated to reduce some of the signs of, uh, and symptoms of aging, but as far as hair goes... Um, uh, there's really not much you can do except condition hair. And uh, as far as the uh, the second question goes, in light of the first question, uh, no, there, it really doesn't matter what hair type we're talking about. Uh, so an anti-aging product for hair will work pretty much the same, which is just like every other conditioner. 
You know, and the only other thing I'd, I'd like to add is he asked about ingredients like retinol that are used for anti-aging on skin. Can they be used on hair? There are very few ingredients that work bo on both, you know, again, because the, the, the biochemistry is so different. The only exception I've seen is maybe lactic acid, which is used in skin care to increase cell turnover. And I've seen some hair care patents that use lactic acid to straighten the hair. And in some formulations, they'll use it as a humectant. So there may be a little overlap there, but really um, mm -hmm. an anti-aging ingredient that works on skin will not necessarily do anything to hair. You know, that reminds me of a, a project I worked on, a hair project one time. Uh, you know, it was when alpha hydroxy acids were really hot for skin. And so mm -hmm. I was asked to put an alpha hydroxy acid in a hair product. <laughs> it's a purely a marketing thing, but lactic acid <laughs> was the acid we were putting in there. <laughs> so there you go. And did you uh, did you even try and find any benefits, or was it just throw it in the formula and, and let it rock? No, it was it was purely just put in there uh, um, for the marketing story, and you know we yeah, we yeah. used it to adjust the pH of the product, but uh, oh, there you go. We didn't yeah. expect it to do much. Right. You know, satisfying those marketing requests is, is you know, probably the least uh, satisfying part of a cosmetic chemist's job. Indeed, indeed. Speaking of cosmetic chemists, it uh, looks like we're coming to the end of the, the show allotted time, huh? Yeah, it looks like uh, we're done for today. Let's remind everybody that uh, we're accepting questions. So if you have a question that you want us to answer here on the Beauty Brains, all you have to do is record it on your smartphone and then email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. And uh, usually those will be about a minute long. And uh, if you could just leave your name and where you're from, that would be helpful for us. And if you could sound as good as Master Barbara Williams, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe we could get him to uh, to give our uh, sign off tagline. <laughs> Although, actually, did did you see that uh, email from uh, Ling Suk that we got uh, oh, recently? God, I knew you were going to yeah. bring this up. R right, right. Uh, I just want to point out that it was a lovely email, but at the end she put, "I also hate the old closing phrase: be brainy about your beauty." <laughs> Besides that, thanks for your wonderful site. <laughs> so uh, you know. <laughs> So here we go again, arguing over what, you know, one fan likes or doesn't like. I mean, what do you want me to do? Sign off this week by saying I hate the old catchphrase? I... <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, you know, we gotta, maybe we should still work on it. Although, you know, maybe we need to do like a poll of the audience. <laughs> I actually, I was, I was playing around with the idea for a new catchphrase contest. So maybe we'll come back with something on that. <laughs> well, that's an excellent idea for a later show. All right. But, uh. For this show, I guess we should uh, finish up, huh? All right. Well, goodbye, everybody. Thanks, everybody.